I'm Dr. Fred Silva of Arcana Laboratories coming to you from Little Rock, Arkansas with another installment of Throwback Thursday. The Early History of SLE As with most early histories of things in medicine, the history of lupus erythematosus, LE, seems to start with Hippocrates, 460 to 375 BC, who appeared to be the first to describe ulcers of the skin with the heading of herpes esthidiominus. Amongst this chronicles are details of his patients with the classic butterfly rash. Hibernus of Tours was apparently the first to use the term lupus to a skin disease in 916 AD. After this, a number of names, including lupus, nomitangere, and herpes esthidiominos, had been applied to describe cutaneous ulcers. Rogerius frugardi used the term lupus to describe erosive facial lesions, reminiscence of a wolf's bite in the 1200s. Wayan in the 17 to 1800s, expanded the classification of skin lesions utilizing the terms herpes for vesicular lesions and lupus for destructive and ulcerative lesions of the face. The first clear description of LE was by Briette and reported by Kazanov, his student, using the term erythema centrifugum, 1833. Hebra, in 1846, used the name Siberia congestive to describe the disc-shaped patches and first introduced the butterfly malar rash. In 1851, Kavenev renamed the lesion, calling it lupus erythematosus, giving a classic description of discoid lupus. He coined the phrase lupus erythematosus from the Greek word erythema, a word for blush. In 1872, it was Maritz Kapasi, whose real name was Maritz Kohn, and that's an interesting story until itself, was a student and son-in-law of Dr. von Hebra, and also von Hebra, who first divided lupus into the discoid and the systemic forms and introduced the idea of systemic disease with a potentially fatal outcome. Hutchison alluded to the photosensitive nature of the rash. In 1902, Sequera and Balin wrote a large series of patients with discoid and systemic lupus and provided details, both clinical and morphologic, of a young woman who died of glomerulonephritis. Thomas Bateman, a student of the British dermatologist Robert William, made classical description of the various dermatologic lesions of lupus. Between 1895 and 1904, William Osler published 29 patients termed the erythema group of diseases. His major contribution, according to some, showed that skin diseases could be accompanied by a number of systemic manifestations although, as with other lesions described, and sometimes named after others, many, if not most, of Osler's described patients actually suffered from diseases other than SLE. The term lupus. As early as the 14th century, the Latin word for wolf, lupus, 
was used as another medical term for an ulcerous disease of the skin. Around 1400, Lanfranc used the term lupus. In 1590, Barrow used the term lupus to refer to a malignant ulcer quickly consuming the other parts. At the end of the 17th century, Blancard defined lupus as a sort of canker in the thighs and legs. Paracelsus in the 16th century and others in the 17th century compared these ulcers of the skin to a hungry wolf eating the flesh. It has been compared to both a wolf-looking face and to that of a human face attacked by a wolf. Take your pick. Blankert and others thought that lupus was devouring tissue with a greater blood supply and so the rationale for bloodletting. Work by Klemperer, Bauer, and others at Mount Sinai in New York in the 1940s concluded that lupus was a collagen vascular disease, also called connective tissue disease, and, as researchers at the Mayo found in 1949, they found that cortisone could be used to treat it. The macroscopic and microscopic lesions present in the kidneys of patients with SLE were first described in 1941 by Klemperer, Pollock, and Baer. These studies were confirmed by subsequent studies also based upon autopsy material. As knowledge increased with better supportive care and antibiotics and so on, treatment became available and patients with SLE live longer and the renal disease seemed to become a frequent and important complication. Bob Clark noted the contribution that the liver biopsy was making to the study of liver disease, Iverson and Brune in the 1940s, published in 1951, that the percutaneous renal biopsies might lead to a better understanding of renal diseases. The new biopsy technique in Copenhagen was modified and improved by the Chicago group of Kark, Murky, Pollock, and Pirani. With the introduction of percutaneous renal biopsy, it became possible to evaluate the early lesions of lupus nephritis, to study the evolution of lupus nephritis, and establish better clinical pathologic correlations and the effect of therapy. Klemperer and Bauer introduced the term wire loop lesion noted in the kidneys at autopsy of patients dying of SLE, apparently because the histologic resemblance to an electrical wire, copper I presume. We now know that this is a glomerular subendothelial immune deposit, a harbinger of a poor prognosis if left untreated. The discovery of the LE cells by Hargraves et al. in 1948 heralded the modern era. They postulated that the cell, quote, is a result of phagocytosis of free nuclear material with the resulting round vacuole containing this partially digested and lysed nuclear material, end of quote. This ushered in the application of immunology to the study of SLE, and soon other immunologic markers were recognized. It was Payne in 1894 who first reported the use of quinine in the treatment of SLE, and four years later, the use of salicylates with quinine was also noted to be a benefit. 
Initially, the morphologic findings before the advent of immunofluorescence and electron microscopy divided the renal involvement of lupus into two types, normal and active glomerulonephritis and SLE. Studies in the early 1960s by doctors Victor Pollack, Conrad Pirani, and others using semi-quantitative methods, Pirani et al., 1964, divided the histologic findings into four groups, normal kidney, lupus glomerulitis, active lupus glomerulonephritis, and eventually membranous lupus glomerulonephritis, the last found to be a separate entity and not a precursor of an active proliferative glomerulonephritis as previously thought. Active and inactive lesions were especially noted. As I recall from discussions with Dr. Conrad Parani, a group of investigators interested in lupus nephritis, including doctors Robert McCleskey, originally from NYU and then chair of pathology at Mass General in Boston, Conrad Parani, University of Illinois, then Columbia University, with much experience the preceding 10 years with lupus nephritis morphologically, Giuseppe Andres, Buffalo, another great immunologist, and others met. I believe they met in Buffalo sometime toward the end of the 1960s to the very beginning of the 1970s. Dr. McCluskey took the lead. They developed what eventually became part of the WHO World Health Organization classification of lupus nephritis, which has now undergone many mutations by a number of consensus groups from the International Society of Nephrology and the Renal Path Society. Thank you for listening. This podcast and more can be found in the iTunes and Google Play stores. For more information and educational programming like this, follow us on Facebook and Twitter or visit us on the web at arcanalabs.com.